I am unashamed. What about you? Because we got we're doing nine tomorrow as well, so it doesn't we don't have to be in a hurry. Okay. All right, ready? Yep. And three, two, one. So on the last podcast, uh, we found out about Jace's weekend. <laughs> it was quite the story, wasn't it, Dad? It was. It just. Dad said, "I didn't know that got laborious." That story. I was like, "Well, I don't know about laborious, but I sure, <laughs> I sure wouldn't have wanted to be Jace." Uh, so what? What did you do, Dad? What, what, what was your your only day you traveled to town is Sunday? What? What happened? What, what, give us your. Well, day there week. was a couple that uh, visited a week before last, uh, and. The lesson pricked him, so we had one of the brothers baptize him, so he was born again. And uh, during the lesson uh, on sin that Jesus frees you from by dying on a cross, during that lesson, uh, he 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 was uh, doing the very things that I was mentioning. I said, some of you, you know, you have sleeping together, having sex together, but you need not even married to one another. I said, you need to marry. I said, you marry him, then you'd have all you want. I bet he was a little nervous during that, because you didn't know that, right? I didn't know I didn't know their situation at all. Hmm. But anyway, I just brought it up. So he comes forth, and uh, they baptize him back in the back there, and uh, he confessed Jesus as Lord. He said he's ready to repent and change his life. So he leaves. They go back to Missouri. Well, they contact uh, somebody down here, one of the sisters, I think, and said, you know, you know, Phil brought up this thing about waiting till you marry before you can have sex with your woman. And the guy said, uh, we're, we're, we never got married. And he said, but we need to, and I'm ready to get married. We both are. So somebody contacted me and gave me that information. I said, get on down here. And I said, <laughs> I said, we'll marry you. I said, no problem. So when I first saw him Sunday morning, they, they, had, they had some some pretty nice duds on, you know. And the girl had, you know, his woman, she had a kind of a long flowing dress, like a wedding dress. So <laughs> they come down and, and I walked up. I reached in my billfold. And I said, it, it cost me $25 back in the 60s, late 60s there, to get married to Miss Kay because I was in the same situation y'all are in. I said, so I had to pay some justice of the peace, $15 and $10 for the blood test, so it cost me $25 to get in it. I reached in my pocket and I said, here's 50 bucks. Most of the time, you're paying the people... In this case, I'm giving you $50 to help out on your gas money when you go back to, to, to Missouri. Well, I thought it was the inflation, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I just said, here's 50 We're giving you 50 bucks, and you get married. It doesn't cost you anything. It's yeah. cover your license or whatever. You got it? He said, that's pretty cool. I said, hey, and go he, for it. He took it? So Owens, yep. So uh, <laughs> Owens gets up, and it was a short wedding. I said, this wedding is... Uh, has features about it that date back oh, a couple hundred years. I said, this is the way they did it. I said, so we'll do the same. He said, fantastic. So Owens gives him a few words. You may now kiss the bride. Got a pretty good little round of applause from about 30 or 40 people. So he went on his way rejoicing. So I felt pretty good about it. 
So now he's a son of God, and she's a sister, already a sister. Now they've got everything patched up, got the marriage license, legal. I said, now have all you want, legal. So he married Jesus, then he married his woman. Married Jesus and married his woman. All in about an eight-day period. Which I've always used that as an illustration, you know, talking about marriage and how that, you know, basically you're not married, but you lead up to that point where then you are and something changes. And I've always used that as the same illustration of baptism. It's like the ceremony uh, at the end of the idea, the culmination. When we married them, when we married them, which was about 30 minutes earlier than we normally meet there, we came a little early. It just so happened that a guy and his woman out of Los Angeles, California, I reminded them when they, I said, where y'all from? They, I said, we fixed to marry this couple here. I said, where y'all from? Y'all a couple here, y'all married? They said, no, we're not married. I'm like, Uh-oh. I said, where are you from? He said, Los Angeles, California. I said, you look perfectly normal, but I doubt it. <laughs> so anyway, he sat there. He confessed Jesus as Lord right after the wedding. I gave him a little 30-minute sermon, 25-minute sermon. So he moved on it, Al. So the guy from L.A. was uh, born again while, while we were at it with the ones that got married. So the kingdom, I'm just giving people here kind of the way the kingdom is working here. you know. Yeah. And, I, and I will say this, because our audience is spread out all over the country. You can't get married wherever you are, so don't feel yeah, like you're that's just right. to- They don't have to come <laughs> down here. You can't do it. And there. they don't you have don't to get let us baptize them. Somebody else can baptize them. Same both ways. But look, it's been a it's been amazing. So while while you were doing that, while Jace was having his uh, uh, escapades going on, I went to Michigan. I had a rare event that that uh, you because know, I haven't we haven't been able to hardly go anywhere because of coronavirus, especially in these I call them the dictatorial blue states. You know, where some of these governors have locked it down and locked churches down to the point where they can't hardly do anything special or have any kind of outreach. So there was a church up in uh, Midland, Michigan, and, um, you know, great people. And it was basically just, I mean, it was, I felt like I was in Michigan, which is way north, but I felt like I had just walked into, you know, West Monroe, Louisiana with the mindset of the people that were there. It was incredible. Well, you know. and uh, Yeah. And so, we, look, we did the event outside. So when they first told me, that we were going to be doing an outdoor event in Michigan in February. I was like, I don't know, boys. I mean, I, I am Southern through and through. And, you know, I, I don't do too well in cold weather. I mean, you know, everything we got here doesn't stand up too well there. And so I started looking at their temps. Well, two weeks ago, we were going through all our stuff. They were like negative 20 at this Ooh. place I was at. And so I thought, I don't know, are you boys sure we can do an outdoor event? And they're like, oh, we're doing it. So I was, they will have fires, they said, to keep everybody warm. So I get there, and it, it was pretty cold when I first got there. But w- wouldn't you know that the Almighty warmed it up to 46 degrees with sunshine the day that I spoke? Because there was snow everywhere, you know, from what had been there before. Yep. But these people are like in short sleeve. You know, to them, it was the they was a, isn't it balmy? Of course, I was triple layered, had the all <laughs> Heaviest stuff on, you know, my gloves, because I mean, it was still cold to me, but it, it turned out to be fantastic. But here's what I was going to tell you guys. So, you know, I shared Jesus with them. It was great. They, they had invited all these people who were hunters, you know, it was like it was like a wild game deal. They fried fish, 
they had fried deer steak and all this that they were doing for the folks. No, no cost. Just come and you know, hear about Jesus. And I think there were about 500 that were there. We were all outside. And, uh, wow. But over and over and over again, when I was meeting these folks, because they were like, you know, the guys that organized, they said, would you, are you like, you know, with coronavirus, do you want to just stay in a room back here? Or would you, would you meet folks? I said, I'm here to meet people talk about Jesus. I said, you guys are in this state with this governor that has just locked everything down. I, I have come from a free state and I want you to know that around the country, you know, we're still sharing Jesus and doing what we've always done. Of course, you know, they were getting fired up. But I started, so I started meeting people and, and person after person after person kept saying, man, I, I listen to your podcast. I mean, we don't miss the podcast. And one guy came up and said, I just became a Christian. I just accepted Christ five weeks ago because of the podcast. Now I'm in a church that I got in a couple of weeks ago. So it was just over and over. I, I was just shocked. I mean, you know, I was just, I couldn't believe that there were so many people in this area that are part of the podcast, which I know they're listening. And I just want to tell you guys, you treated me great while I was there. And I wanted to bring a little hope and encouragement to, to this situation. Cause you, you mentioned it last time, just people are so, you know, broken down by how bad everything is in our country that they need that, you know, they need enough. Yeah. yeah. It's like when I was telling the story about that, the fan, he saw me and he thought I was just on skid road. His parting words were good luck to you. And I thought that pretty much means that maybe I'll just get lucky. You're a loser. You know, I just was listening to what people say that they're trying to in some way encourage you, but it's like a hundred percent sarcasm. Also, it's just like, yep, here you are big TV star. You're walking around Next thing you know, you'll be playing a tune with an open box. Yeah. That, that's what it felt like, which I just didn't say, no, nah, my wife's coming with a accurate credit card to follow the rules of society. Well, that's why I was so intrigued by your story last time, because obviously I had to fly, but I didn't have any trouble. But then I was like complaining to Lisa, just having to wear the mask the whole time. Cause you know, the whole process is seven or eight hours and, I have sinus problems. I have problems breathing. And it's just, it's misery for me to spend that long with my face covered. And and now, like you said, they're like, this federal law, you know, first thing you do get on now, it's it's about five minutes of all the rules beyond what they normally do, just all new mm-hmm. stuff. Cause, well, so, so I was kind of great. A guy like me, I never had the virus. I never wore a mask. I now have the vaccine, both shots. So how much of a danger am I to my fellow man? I never had it. I never had it. I don't know. I didn't get it. I didn't wear a mask. Every five minutes, they would say, even if you've had the vaccine, you need to wear it. They would come over on the intercom. I thought a vaccine meant you couldn't get it 96% of the time. So I'm, who am I? Who am I? Somebody can't give it to me. I got, I've been vaccinated. I can't give it to you. I've been vaccinated. The, What's the I, deal with a mask? And I need to hide the problem. The problem I'm with rule oriented ventures is that there's no, there's no room for common sense. <laughs> I mean, and here's the thing, Dad. So you're being 100 percent honest, right? Because we live honest lives. Like you, you I, I've been vaccinated. They build. If you live by a rule system, you assume everybody's lying. So you can't have room for somebody to say, hey, hey, boys, I, I've been vaccinated. I, I'm no longer a threat. I'm not going to wear the mask. Oh, no. 
You know, we don't know that. So, so their next thing is, and this is probably going to happen. Then you got to have some kind of proof card. You got to have a card that says you've been vaccinated so that you can't just go because you told them, you know, I got to have this thing. So now you're, the only way you're going to be able to travel, I can almost well, guarantee yeah. you. I mean, that's the problem is you got to have rules. I mean, we get it, but it's like, what's the motivation for them and where does it stop and how are you making them? Which is why, you know, voting's important. You get people making laws and I mean, that's, that's what they do, but you can see. When the wrong, it's an agenda. When, they have an yeah, agenda. When the wrong people get in charge, it, it just goes so far down a rabbit hole. That's right. That even like changing the policy on what kind of covering is, that's yeah. where we're at now. You don't have an approved structure of cloth that might work. There's <laughs> no guarantee that, that it's going to work. Anyway, they're like, well, science has proven that it works. Nobody asked me to participate in the study, you know, on w whether a cloth, because I felt more comfortable wearing the gator. I have, I feel like, I mean, I'm, I've created just a cave that I've now put my face. That's they right. handed me one that had open places everywhere. That's right. I'm like, Which, this, I like mine better. I disagree with your rule, but. Especially, Jace, if you have a beard. Uh, that's yeah. even more if the beard pushes it out. Well, uh, let's take a break. Well, you never thought COVID could make you lose your home, did you? Did you ever think that, Dad? Never crossed my mind. <laughs> well, you didn't get it, so thank goodness. But, yes, the reason why is because cybercrime is up 75%, and by far the most serious cybercrime to worry about is home title theft because the title to your home is somewhere digitally kept. You get somebody hacks in, they get your title, they put their name on it, they borrow a bunch of money in your name, and all of a sudden you get foreclosed on and you didn't even know that you didn't have your house. So uh, it's sad, but it has happened to people. So you may wanna check this out, go to hometitlelot.com. You register your address, make sure you're not already a victim, that you still own your house. And if you use the code radio, they're going to give you 33 days of protection to protect your title. Make sure someone doesn't get it. So that's HomeTitleLock.com. Use the code RADIO. Protect your home. I didn't have as many problems as you did, Jace, but I did. Have, one thing did happen to me that's never happened in all my years of travel, and I travel a lot. So we didn't get a car. You know, you, you usually get a car if you're going to be someplace. We were there a couple of days. I didn't get a car because the places in this airport, you, if you come in after they, they just close. If you come in after that time, you can't get a car. So I thought, well, that's fine. You know, we'll figure something out. So we call the hotel. The hotel sent a car to get us. Great. Get to the hotel. Ask the hotel, can you take me to the event? Yeah, we'll take you to the event. So they're t basically taking us to the couple of places we had to go. So we get back and I was like, can you guys take us to the airport in the morning? Because now, you know, we're, you know, it's getting kind of late by the time we got back to the hotel. And they were like, no, we can't take you in the morning because we don't have a person here that can drive you. But here's a couple of taxi companies. I said, ah, no problem. We'll hire a taxi. So what do you have Uber? No, we don't have Uber here. Well, we call the places. This Now it's like 10 o'clock at night. Well, Saturday night, we're flying home on Sunday. Well, they don't answer. <laughs> so I was like, Okay, so we left a couple of messages. So one of them called us back, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we are. We only have one driver. He's already busy at that time. We got to go to the airport." 
And so then we start looking to try to find some other taxi companies. None of them, they're not open on the weekend. So basically I'm in the hotel, it's 1030. I got to be at the airport at six o'clock. I don't have a ride. Yeah. And I looked at Lisa and I was like, I don't know what we're going to do here. So the, the only contact I had was the guy who did the event. Uh, you know, his name is Adam. And thank you, Adam. I know you listened because you saved us. So I texted him. Problem is Adam's got like five or six kids. He was in I the mean, bed by 10. Hitchhiking is always an option. <laughs> I but didn't say too- it was a good option. It is an option. <laughs> it, it's or, not too good when it's cold either. Or, the, or a 50s, horse. In the 50s, but no problem now. Yeah. 2020, no. But I mean, it crossed my mind. Hitchhiking's out. In my situation, I thought if I can catch a ride. I mean, I have done it. Fairly well, recently, I went to a worship conference and got stranded at a restaurant, and I forgot the details of it. But uh, I just announced. I figure most people in the restaurant had gone to the worship conference, so I just hollered out, "Will anybody <laughs> give me a ride?" And <laughs> I bet you got some looks, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, but one guy said, "Yeah, I'll give you a ride." I mean. Okay. <laughs> Being neighborly is pretty well gone in America. Well, let's see what old Saul of Tarsus is up to. <laughs> I think Dad's ready to, to shift out of travel. I haven't heard enough it. traveling stories. All right. So we're, we were in, we've been in Acts 8, and, and I want to kind of set up before we get to Acts chapter 9, which to me is one of those pivotal. We've had a couple of moments that were big, but this we're gonna, about to get to a huge pivotal moment in the church. But I want to go back and just remind the audience in Acts 8, we kind of talked about at the beginning of that, it was right after Stephen had been martyred. And so the church was like, man, they went underwent all this great persecution. And of course, we know that Saul is there. He's dragging people off to jail. People are being killed for their faith. I mean, it's a, it's a scary time. And yet out of that, Philip goes to Samaria and then also talks to this Ethiopian that we talked about before. It was kind of on the kind of a, the road to the Gaza, and then he was teleported uh, to his next place. But there's a ver- what I did. We didn't talk about this last time, but Jason, I want you to touch on this. So in your in your Bibles, and I'm not sure it's in every version. But I know in the NIV, if you read 36, they traveled along the road. <clears throat> this is Acts 8. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, "Look, here is water. Why should I be baptized?" And in the NIV, it goes to 38. Yeah, there's no 37, which which seems like if you Google this from people who don't believe, they're like, oh, we found an error in the Bible. They miss 37. But in most Bibles, they have a little letter there. When you go down to your bottom margin, it will say some late manuscripts say, why shouldn't I be baptized? They, They just started baptized. And then right. 37 in the late manuscript says, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, which is not unlike what happened in Acts chapter 2 and other places when Peter said, uh, the Lord you crucified, he is Lord and Christ, the Son of God, where's that, 36 or whatever, and it says when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. So it's like the same confession or declaration, and we, and we're all familiar with Romans 10, 9, and 10. It's probably the most 
quoted outside of John three sixteen that says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. Yep. And what you got to remember, that's four chapters after Romans 6, which is when he said, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sin and so the grace may increase? And he's like, don't you know that all of us who were baptized... We uh, died to sin. Yeah, we died to sin. We were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Well, and that's just a few chapters from Romans 1, which is where our podcast, the verse that we singled out, talking about the gospel that brings salvation to all men, you know, we're not ashamed of the gospel. So my point is, it's, you know, because it wasn't in the earliest of manuscripts, the hundred men who got together and said, let's put this from the manuscripts into the Bible, right. they said, well, we'd, we'll just, since it wasn't in the earliest, that one phrase, so they, they would find different writings of the, the scriptures that we'll just make a note there. I mean, it doesn't bother me at all because there's nothing inconsistent with what he said. I mean, he, he the, to me, the more important point, especially when it comes to baptism, and I, I did a lesson on this one time, is a lot of people look at baptism and they ask a question. You've heard it probably. I'll ask you how many times y'all have heard this. How many times have you heard people say, well, do I have to? I've heard it many yeah, times. Many times. Pe people want me to answer that question. I share Jesus. Jesus, you're saved through Jesus 100%. His death, his burial, his resurrection, his mediating work. Jesus is salvation. And they're like, well, what do we do? Same kind of question in Acts 2. So, well, and we start talking. We'll bring up Romans 10, 9, and 10. You confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, what Philip did. We get to baptism. You and you can use re, Romans six for an example. You reenact Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, and then sometimes people say, "Well, do I have to?" I've always said I think that's a bad question. I think the better question is what the eunuch said: "Why shouldn't I?" Yeah. I mean, that was his response. They were going along the road, and we talked about Acts 8 yeah, he never, a couple of times. He didn't know who Jesus was. Philip explained the good news of Jesus. That's in verse, it's right before that. And it he says, had never heard about being baptized, I don't think. 35, Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, which was the Isaiah prophecy, and told him the good news about Jesus, which I think it's a valid question. What is the good news about Jesus? Because it doesn't go into detail. It just said he, he he began right there. Who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Philip told him the good news about Jesus. So what is the good news about Jesus? What, hey, Jace, what Isaiah said. Yeah. Let's take a break. So, Jace, we've talked about it before. Who's the biggest human resources nightmare? Would it would it have been you or Cy? Because, you know, you're not both there anymore at Duck Commander, but which one of you would have been the bigger nightmare I as a for human resources? I think I probably got in more trouble than Cy, which is shocking at Duck Commander. There were more meetings about me than Cy. <laughs> so I'm not something to really be proud of. Getting to know you. 
<laughs> I always whip out. I went by that mode of that Clint Eastwood movie when when he came into that court system and he's like, "What?" And Eastwood was sitting in the judge's chair and he went, "Get out of here!" Yeah, that's the way I felt when people walked into my duck call room. <laughs> well, so if you got an employee that was at all like Jace or Sai, uh, then you know about uh, human resources. And you know now with all these new legalities that have come along. You know, with every administration and, and government, uh, you got to hire a person to be able to do it unless you had another option, which you do. It's a company called Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E. Basically, you get a dedicated HR manager for just $99 a month. So they're going to be able to help you out month to month, no hidden fees. You can cancel any time. So check them out. You get a free HR audit if you go to Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Robertson. Get that free audit and find out how you can help your business. That's Bambi.com slash Roberts. He was pierced for our transgressions. Yes. And they he put was. him in a tomb with the rich man. Yes. The rich man's tomb. And then he but he will see the light of life. It's it's this a gospel is good sermon. news. This is good news. This is somebody good news. died, was buried, and raised from the dead. So they're traveling down, and they see some water, and he says, "Why shouldn't I be baptized?" That's a good question. Why is that not a good question? And how would he have even known about baptism? So if Philip said in verse thirty-seven, "If you believe with all your heart, you may." Because why would he say that? Because if you don't believe in Jesus is that he's the son of God that he died and he was buried and resurrected. Why would you want to go down in some water and have someone dunk you? Yep. As Peter would say, you're not taking a bath. That's a good one. First Peter three twenty one. Yep. Yeah. It's not a bath. It's a pledge of a good conscience toward God. I would argue that you spend most of your life be putting yourself in a position where no one can take you and dunk you underwater. Yeah. Because you stay down there too long, you drown. So it's in every human being's, you know. Well, it's just a humbling of, experience for a, for a person to just are basically giving up and to themselves and giving in to what they've heard. If you just show them and they look at that. And it's a it's a humbling thing because someone else has you by the nap of the neck. I, someone I would else call it is a, pushing you under the water. I mean, it's a. I would call it a surrender. It's a surrender. And I bring that up because of this. When if you go back to what the unit was reading in verse thirty-two, it says he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Well, seems like to me that is the definition of surrender. It is. And so then Philip begins with that very passage of Scripture, tells him the good news about Jesus, and the next question is, look, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? I'm making the analogy. Why, why shouldn't I surrender? Yeah. Based on Jesus, the good news of his surrender for me. Why sh and. Philip had to have discussed it. Where did this baptism come up? That's not even in nowhere else. He just saw some water. Why, why would he have that thought? At some point, Philip had to bring that up. Had to bring it up. And I think he brought it up as a positive. He wasn't, he was like, this is good. You can participate. 
in this. So instead of saying, do I have to, which to me seems the opposite of surrender, which seems a little arrogant, it would be a better question to say, why shouldn't I? And why is the rejoicing phase of this story? When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. What's he, what's he rejoicing about it? As soon as they come up out of the water. Participated in the greatest being in the history of the world, which is Jesus. So when well, you get, so, it, yeah, go ahead. Uh. Hey, uh, and you, and you hear it, uh, you know, Paul, who will eventually get to in this, in the next chapter, <clears throat> does a really good job in writing the epistles about describing you know, what happens with the, the purpose of it. And of course, one of them is in Romans where you said it earlier, Jay's you're, it's a reenactment of the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus and, and, you know, and rising up of him. And so <clears throat> when we think about it, it's a brilliant, you know, symbol to use because you, you, you're, you're being put to death and coming back to life and this idea of giving up your life to Christ and surrendering it. And what better way to show that than to be able to reenact what Jesus did. And so that's how Paul described it to the Romans. And then what was it, Colossians 2, where he talked about, was that where he talks about the spiritual circumcision? circumcision? Spiritual circumcision, which again, you know, that audience would understand that, what he was trying to say to them, the idea of cutting away that which is human uh, and has, has been in charge of your life, and now Jesus being that for you. So you see a lot of great illustrations. Paul, about kind Paul of, told Titus it was... Uh, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, because of his mercy. He saved us, and he phrased it, through the washing of rebirth. Yeah. Washing of rebirth. What does it mean? And renewal by the Holy Spirit whom we poured out on us generally through Jesus Christ. Washing yeah. of rebirth, reception of the Spirit, repent and be baptized, God will give you the Spirit, the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, it, it's... But I think it's too simple to miss. Jesus yeah. is the one who said, go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's exactly what Philip did. That's what he did. Well, exactly. And we've talked about before, Mark 16, where he said, whoever believes and is baptized, you know, will be saved. Go preach the word, good news to all creation. Then it says, whoever does not believe will be condemned. And I've had people ask me, they're like, well, how come it didn't say baptism there? Do I have to? That was their example. I'm like, well, just... You're not thinking, if you don't you're, believe you're in not, Jesus, then no use in getting clearly. wet. Don't elevate baptism to a point to where that's some kind of important thing in and of itself. It's not. Right. Only Jesus is what's getting you forgiven and resurrected. Yep. And that relationship will be your bedrock for the rest of your life and throughout eternity. But it's the reason. It's kind of the same argument that we talked about over the legalism. We all want to follow the rules. We all want to do right. It's the motivation is what counts. If you're doing it to make yourself feel like you're worthy rather than you're not worthy and everything you've got is by the grace of God, that's a huge difference when we're both living right. That's why a lot of churches who are basically doing good things with their life seem dead because it's not Jesus' grace motivated. It's a selfish look at themselves saying, well, look how great I am. I mean, I, I haven't said a cuss word in 17 years and five weeks. 
two days. Well, great. <laughs> Remember we were talking about empty rituals last time about the washing of hands. <clears throat> we got into that a little bit. It would be the exact same thing with baptism. If you baptize someone and they don't know Jesus and they don't know that they're, they've surrendered to him, then all you've done is just, you know, you're like your chicken fighting out in the swimming pool. You, yeah. you haven't done anything. You haven't connected to Christ because that's the idea about submission. And, and unfortunately, in the religious world, that's what happens a lot of times. People are just, yeah. they're baptized. They have no idea why. Well, look, yep. Al, I do this a lot. Uh, this week, you were talking about you're doing your event. I got an event in Florida uh, this week. So I'll give you a report when I get back. But And I'm talking to young people. And something I do with young people, and, and, and when people that who were raised in the church, and let's say they you know, accept Jesus and they're baptized and then their life just goes off the rails. Well, then later on, you're trying to figure out how can I help this person? Cause they were already in. And I mean, I think this is a common problem with a lot of young people in churches, but a question that I ask that seems to work real well, cause I'll go through this thing about priorities and, and, a lot of their struggles with teenagers today is that they compromise their character in order to be included and, and to have friends. They just throw everything they were taught and that they vowed just in those moments to try to be accepted. But one thing I'll do to try to figure out what the problem is, I'll say, do you remember, you know, when you accepted Christ or tell me about that. And they usually say, yeah, I was at a church thing and I cried and I, and I was baptized. And, and so I'll say, well, who, who did you bury? And they're like, what? I was like, you said you were baptized. Who, who did you bury? And they usually kind of have trouble figuring out what I, um, I'm talking about. I was like, well, there was a death and I'll read the Roman six. You were crucified. You were therefore buried. And then you were raised a new person. Well, who did you bury that day? And it always causes them to stop and think. And then I ask the next question, are they still here? And it's usually yes. Well, and, and it makes them think. And I, I thought about that watching you know crime shows when there's a, a question of, who committed a crime or who's dead. And what we'll do in a physical way is they'll go dig up the body. At some point, you know, they have the cameras and we're going to go dig up the body. Well, if you dig up the body and there's nobody, I mean, you dig the grave and there's nobody there. Well, all heck breaks loose. Well, we don't even have a crime. This person's not even dead. That's but, why I told my buddies when they arrived and said, let's go up the road. And uh, hang on. let's take a break. They said, let's go up the road, Robson, drink a beer. And I said, no. <laughs> I said, the one you're looking for, the old Phil Robertson, he died. And I said, it was buried. And they looked at each other like, do what? I said, the one you're looking for died. This is the new one. And they, they couldn't put it together. I said, the new one says, don't go anywhere with that bunch. Get away from them. Yeah. So they leave. I finally converted one of them after 12 years. But at the time... They had no idea what I was talking about. And I said, the one you're looking for has died and been buried. This is the new one. He doesn't get drunk mm. anymore. He quit that. You know what? I have a new thought I want to unleash on you. See they looked at me like I was crazy, by the way. I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought this. And so y'all can either say yay or nay. 
But I woke up in the middle of the night and I had this thought. My thought was that the evil one, you know, Satan believes in the death, burial, and resurrection. And you say, where are we going with this? Well, you remember when Moses died, there was a dispute. Over his uh, body. Yeah, with the evil one. I'm not, Al, you remember where that was? Jude, is it Jude? Six. Jude 6, yeah. yeah. Jude 6, there was a dispute. Because in, you look at all the verses that talk about the evil one. He was a murderer from the beginning. Uh, in Hebrews 2, when it says Jesus destroyed him who had the power over death, that yep. is the devil. Yep. So his his mode of operati, his entire existence, has been to kill you physically. And you say, so we know he believes in death because that's his, he wants to kill you physically even when jesus said don't be scared of the one that can you know kill the body but he wants to resurrect that old self that you buried that that's his prime initiative you think about it he he doesn't want that old self that you buried in to, romans to 6, stay buried to stay buried he he believes in the resurrection of your old self i just thought it was an interesting thought you tell me yeah or no he believes uh, in the physical death and the spiritual right. <laughs> resurrection of the old self, which is well, counterproductive of what Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection represents. And I've always think a bigger question of that is the, is the why of that. I mean, we don't really know. We just kind of surmise. But <clears throat> you, think, you, you mentioned last time we were talking about rule keepers, how that when someone is bitter, and someone's not happy about having to keep a rule, the last thing they want you doing is living free. I mean, they want you under the same thing as them. And I've always thought that was probably Satan's motivation. I mean, he 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 you know, had a fall away from God and wound up here uh, to offer us a choice about good and evil. And so I, I've always thought he wanted to take down as many people as possible just out of pure yeah. bitterness. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And yeah. I, I want to read this because I just was quoting hey, see, by the way, Jay, not Jude 6. Jude 9, okay. I wanted to read this one from Romans 6, 6. I quoted the 1 through 4, but just, just to let that sink in and, and why it's a good question, especially with young people, when you say, who, who did you bury? Because that Romans 6, 6 says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. And the bab your baptism is simply when he he's still well, right. he's he, still talking about what he was talking about earlier. Right, he said in verse two, "We died to sin. How can we live any longer? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized him in his death? We were therefore buried." That that's what triggered the question. And then in two verses later, he says, "We know that our old self was crucified." So the correct answer, when you say, "Who'd you?" It bury? ought to be hallelujah. It should to have that been, yeah. My old self is who I buried, and yeah. it's still there. But when you stop and say, "Eh, I don't know," I mean, look, well, I'm I'm just saying it's a way to get people to think about their life and their commitment. Because you can't judge a person's heart. All you can do, and when you start going back years, it's hard to remember what was happening, and you're just trying to get them to think, have you made Jesus your Lord? Have you declared Jesus Lord and you, you surrendered to him? So I think it's, I, I, I wish verse 37 of Acts 8 would be moved up to its proper place, but since I didn't look at the manuscripts, and I don't know, it can still be there. But I love the point. 
I, I, I love it. Well, exactly. And to, back to your other point, and you remember the context by which Paul says all that in Romans 6 comes out of his discussion in Romans 5 <clears throat> when he ends it by saying the law was added so that trespass might increase. And we had a question about law last time. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ. And he starts in the next, which is not really a chapter in a letter. It's just the next thought is, what do we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means you died to sin. And so that kind of goes back to the discussion we had last time about depending on law somehow instead of grace to now live this new life. It's not about going around and counting the times I messed up versus the times I didn't mess up or the times I kept the law or did something good versus the time I didn't. It's a mm. new life Christ that's now yeah. totally changed and totally different. I think in the, the simple answer to that is you think about it. If a, if a person is lost, dead in his sins or her sins, there has to be a point an exact point in time when they go from saved to I mean, when they go from lost to saved. Well, there has to be a point in time out. Yeah. But True. figuring all that out is very difficult to, you know, articulate. And, and to me, I'm not so much concerned about it. If the old person it, is it, being buried. I know what you're saying, but I'm not concerned about it. If your heart, has been pricked by Jesus and you're doing it with a sincere heart in Jesus. I think you figure out these details as you, as you move along. I mean, cause to me, we just don't talk about it because people always think you have to look at it the same way. I mean, to wow. me, uh, uh, most graveyards you go to, what it's a sad place. Cause you have these memories. We don't ever visit our spiritual graveyards, which I think we should every once in a while. The place you were baptized, and you say, yes, that was a good death right there. I, I'm happy that you're dead. I hope you stay dead. I mean, it's a totally different attitude at, yep. at the graveyard, but we don't, we don't think that. You read that verse, I'm pretty sure that's what it's saying. There was a, uh, let's take one last break. There was a, and I love experiencing those moments with people. I mentioned, I think I mentioned on the podcast, uh, a guy from Pennsylvania that was baptized at WFR and, and he came for dad to be baptized where dad's at on Sunday, but they weren't meeting because of the ice storm, but we did. And so I baptized him, but he come up out of the water, just those hands were high, you know, it was just like, yes, you know, celebration. You know, and I love that reaction because it was like, he recognized in that moment, it was like, man, I, I, I'm a new person now. And, All right. and the guy from see, LA did the same thing. But a lot yeah, of people yes, try to make this a, a you know, the, an automated system where right. if you just do these five things in response and, and you're in. And somewhere right. the relational heartfelt aspect of encountering Jesus gets lost somewhere in there. So it's like you got to be careful talking about how we respond because how we respond is insignificant to what you're responding to and who you're surrendering. So you're really, I don't even know if that is a response. I mean, right. surrender. It's like the most humble response you could possibly do, which is why I think God chose it. Honestly, 
It's and, the, and it, goes, it goes back to that point we made uh, last time from Matthew 7, Jace, because remember, <clears throat> these people were, it, Jesus said there's going to be people that said, did not do this, did not do this, did not do this. I mean, they got the checklist of what they thought made them right. And he's going to say, away from, away from me, I never knew you. The only reason he can say that is because he has no relationship with this person. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter all the stuff you did. I mean, and so you don't want to make any of this a a ritual that has no meaning. All right. And I think I think it shows you that if you want to get it look at it from a theological standpoint, if basically men and women are gonna sin, we need to do the opposite of what we're doing. And yeah. so when you think about how do we achieve victory, it's it's never by surrendering in any kind of fight or altercation, which would be the perfect thing to do to God because it's showing you that we are helpless. We're idiots. We're, it's the George Costanza. I need to do the opposite of what I've been doing to find greatness. But you, that actually is true in God because we mess up, we're flawed, and he's not. So I think that's why he chose the surrender, which would be the opposite way to attain victory. Have victory, surrendering, and yet because exactly. victory, yeah, is not found in us. So when you surrender, you're no longer. That's why I go, I go back to that Galatians two 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 twenty. I think right now in this moment in my life is my favorite verse that says, uh, "I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live the life I live. I live to Him because He died for me and." gave himself up for me uh it's something like that i'll look it up but i love it because you're just where are you at in that you're the first word i've been crucified i'm gone I, i've checked out well not only that you know and i'll say this because we're we're about out of time so we'll have to get to, to saul next next podcast here but, let me let me quote it right out i have been crucified with christ and i no longer live but christ lives in me there we go yeah I, I relinquish, I surrendered. He he lives in me. And one of the things you, we talked about, you said it a minute ago, Jace, and I think you're right, is that this is all individuals coming to this point in their life where they recognize that internally. Nobody can really know this but you. And so it's not about us even. And we look, we appreciate, I mean, so many of you when I was in Michigan uh, talking, I mean, I, we appreciate being able to help influence your life through the Bible. Remember, it's not what we tell you to do. That's you don't want to look to men. I mean, if you're coming from Scripture, you know you you have to be convicted and say this is what I need to do. And, and the reason I say that is because a lot of you will ask about, well, you know, I was baptized as an infant or as a young person, but I don't really think I surrendered. You know, well, right. should I? And it, then they ask the question, should should I do it again? And then my question back is kind of what you said, just well, should you? I mean. You know, why well, are you? I, I, look, Al, I do it every time to see if they're familiar with the verse. Right. I like, they say, do I have to? And I say, why shouldn't you? Yeah. And they're, they, they're like, what? well, but do it. You think I have to? I said, well, why shouldn't you? And then yeah. I said, maybe you need to stop the chariot. They're like, what? You need to <laughs> you, stop the chariot. Whoa. I, that's my favorite part of, that's my favorite part of the whole story. When and I, sometimes and I, in life you have to say you hear what Jesus did for you. You might have been raised in the church and it just didn't sink in and you got distracted and there's comes a time in life where you have to say pull over. 
I'm doing this. I mean, to me, that's the powerful statement of the, we get to argue, well, this verse should have been in there. And they missed that one little phrase, stop the chariot right now. And we're in the middle of nowhere in a desert and people would have seen it. They said, what the heck are they doing? He's having a stop the chariot moment in his life. I've told the story on here before, but I'll quickly tell it again. When, you know, when I was 12 or 13, I was baptized, and at the time, I thought for all the right reasons. I mean, you know, but when I got to be 18 and everything I had done between the time I got baptized to the end had been terrible. (laughs) I mean, there it was a it was a bad tree with bad fruit, you know, to what we talked about earlier. And so I can't when I came back home, I I mean, I sat down with dad and I was like, dad, I, I need to I don't know what I did at 12. But I'm ready to now surrender. And so we talked yeah. about it. That's look, we go down there in the river and do it. But I was apprehensive at first because I thought, well, I don't want to mess this thing up. And right. But finally, I was like, you know what? Why have all this doubt and struggle? I'm ready to surrender. And so we walked down the river at 18 and dad baptized me. And so from that point to this point today, I'm not a perfect man. I still sin. But I have no doubts about who I am and where I'm yeah. going. So well, why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you? Right. I mean, that, exactly. that, that's the question. And, and I would say, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And you say, yeah, but I may have done this before. Okay. Well, why shouldn't you now? That's I, right. I used to I'll, say, why not remove all doubt? Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong that's with right. removing all doubt. You know what I'm always waiting for in that, those conversations? Stop the car. <laughs> <laughs> there was a song right there. Stop the car. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna need to listen to that then. Yeah, were they Who's talking about? Were they talking I about? I can't this? remember the old boy's name. Greg Eppinett liked him a lot. Stop the car was the name of the was the name of the song. All right, we'll, we'll get our crack staff and research that. We and need find to be out. playing that in the background on this. Right Jude, now. his name was Jude. Jude, that the was singer. His, no, the, yep, his name was Jude. Somebody. Phil, the, the plethora of, of meaningless knowledge that is in your head never ceases to amaze me. Well, sometimes the old rockers come up with some pretty good deal. They were all trying to find Jesus, but they not many of them found him. And I have to say, Dad's watching a lot more old rockers now that he quit watching the news as much. So yep. Stop the car. I like it. Stop like the car. It. That's the name of my next sermon. So uh, thanks again to all the Unashamed Nation. Keep sending in your questions. I do want to give a shout out uh, to Paul and Chris and Davis. Uh, Paul and Chris I met in, uh, in Midland. So you guys were great to me up there as well. So we'll see you next time on Unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.